Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. That gets the blood pump in that song. For me, it does. All right, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, continue with our study of this paragraph in Romans 16 uh, that deals with the false teachers and what our attitude should be toward false teaching and those who uh, do things and say things contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. And it doesn't matter if they're a Christian or an unbeliever. There's certain responsibilities that we have as believers when we deal with people who are involved in false teaching. And uh, we're to keep our eyes on those believers that cause divisions and temptations to sin and to go into apostasy. And contrary to the teaching which you and I have learned through the Word of God, and we're to turn away from them. That means we're to avoid them. Of course, if they're repentant, uh, we can, of course once again have fellowship with them. So there is a time where we're to separate from other Christians and it all stems from their attitude toward the Word of God. And our attitude toward the Word of God is reflected in our obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, John 14, 15. And if we don't obey Him, it doesn't matter what we say, if we're not obeying Him and it's a lifestyle, then we're in deep trouble. We're, in, we're going to end up getting disciplined by God. And we need to be, uh, we demonstrate our love for the Lord by our obedience to the teaching of the Word of God. So this is a very important subject. We're going to study Romans 16:18 this evening. Uh, we're going to see that the Judaizers uh, do not serve Christ, but their own stomach, and deceive the naive by their smooth talk and flattery. When he says by their own stomach, he's, talk, he's being sarcastic here. He's talking about the, the Judaizers, they paid strict adherence to the dietary restrictions in the Mosaic Law, which we talked a lot about in Romans 14. And they made a big issue about those things. And of course, Jesus taught that you could eat all foods. That didn't matter to the Judaizers. They didn't care what Jesus taught. They, instead, they, they, they cared what uh, they taught and what their traditions were. So there was very, uh, this is a very important study. And as we normally do, we take that moment of silent prayer. So I look around and you guys know what to do. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you so much for gracing us out and giving us everything that we need to execute your plan, food, shelter, and clothing. We thank you for the bodies that we've received. We thank you, Father, for uh, your grace and treating us in a manner that we don't deserve and giving us the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future. We thank you, Father, for your great sacrifice, sacrificing your son, his willingness to go to the cross, to become a man, and then die for the sins of the world and to suffer that unique spiritual and physical deaths on the cross. 
so that we might never be separated from you and might be delivered from the power of the sin nature. We thank you for raising him from the dead on the third day and also the gift of the Holy Spirit who uh, identifies us with your Son the minute we trusted in your Son as Savior, identifies us with your Son in his death and resurrection and session at your right hand and help us to understand the great implications through the Spirit and the Word, the great implications that are for us with this union and identification with your Son so that we can experience victory over our sin nature and also the devil and his cosmic system that seeks to seduce us away from our relationship with you, Father. And we just thank you for those who have ventured in here this evening, on, uh, not only in uh, Titus and Jody's home, but also those who are listening on Pal Talk or will go to the website at a later date. We thank you for the Thompsons uh, being showing hospitality toward us so that we can study the Word of God. And uh, we just thank you, Father, for your Word, and we thank you for the gift of the Spirit. And we pray that the Spirit would do a mighty work in all of us here this evening, in the communicator, that he would be empowered to deliver your full counsel to your people in a fashion that would be pleasing to you and minister to them, and also that the audience would be, the Spirit would work mightily and powerfully through the audience and helping them to understand what is being taught here this evening. We pray that the Word would take deep root inside each of our souls and that we would carefully consider the passages and principles we'll be noting here this evening. So, Father, we just pray for these things in our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, first of all, before I get go any further, happy birthday uh, to Cheyenne. She's 11 years old. And if I'm, a little, if I'm burping a little bit during class, I'll try to hold the back, trying to let anything slip up. But it's because I was having Kentucky Fried Chicken before class. I usually don't eat before service just for that reason. So, you know, the Kentucky Fried Chicken might, you know, come back to haunt me later on. So I just want you to know, I apologize in advance, especially if you guys in the room. But happy birthday to Cheyenne. And uh, it's great. 11 years old. I can't even remember that far back what it was like to be 11 years old. Vaguely remember. Vaguely remember. But anyways, uh, let's get uh, right to it. We studied last evening Romans chapter 16, verse 17, where Paul, the Apostle Paul warns the Roman believers to keep an eye out or watch out for those who cause divisions and temptations to sin and apostasy contrary to the doctrine they've been taught and that they were to avoid these individuals. And a lot of Christians will, will disregard this warning and they will continue to have fellowship with Christians that are negative to the Word of God and they're living in disobedience to the Word of God and emotionalism, we can't live the spiritual life based upon our emotions. Our, our emotions should be subordinate to the mentality of our soul and in particular, uh, subordinate to the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the Word of God. So we see that it's more important to obey God rather than men. And so if we're going to listen to God and we seek to please God, we're going to have to uh, d uh, separate ourselves from those Christians that are uh, divisive and that are causing divisions and other Christians to sin. And in context, as we saw, this group of individuals that Paul is talking about in Romans 16, 17 were the Judaizers. And their legalistic teaching is what caused divisions in, in the churches in the Roman Empire and believers to sin and to enter into apostasy. When I say apostasy, some call it reversionism. It means that you're going, uh, doing a 180. Instead of going and advancing in God's plan and doing God's will, you're going in the exact opposite direction. A great example in the scripture of believers in the Old Testament that were going or entering into apostasy is the Exodus generation. And it was their perfect example 
of apostasy. And uh, they were, uh, even though God did mighty works among them and they had great teaching from Moses, the greatest teacher arguably in the Old Testament, they still rebelled against Moses. Only Joshua and Caleb and their families were obedient to Moses and, of course, be, or being obedient to the Lord because the Lord is the one who set up Moses to teach Israel. So Israel is a perfect example of that. The Corinthians are another group of individuals that are in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said that some, uh, some Christians, because of their bad uh, conduct at the Lord's table and bad attitude, were under in, uh, warning discipline, Die, intensive discipline and dying discipline. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So the Corinthians are an example of believers that were going in the wrong direction, direction and God was disciplining them. And when God disciplines, He always disciplines out of His love. Revelation 3.19, Jesus says, Those whom I love, I, I, dis I, uh, uh, I rebuke, I rebuke, and He, he corrects, and He, he uh, disciplines. And this is an expression of God's love. That's lost sight of in our day and age because we've tried to say the parents don't like the, don't discipline their kids anymore. A good many of them now because they reject the teaching of the Word of God. And we're going to have a terror. We're going to have a generation that has no discipline and a generation that's going to be lost in space, literally. And so we need to we need to follow the example of God in our own homes and using discipline. And we see that God will discipline these false teachers, and He did. And uh, Paul is warning the wrong believers to watch out for them, keep an eye out for them, and be discerning because they you got to be keep an eye out for those who cause divisions and temptations to sin and apostasy, which was contrary to the teaching they received from their pastors and of course the apostle Paul in this epistle, and they were to avoid them, stay away from them, unless of course they become repentant. Now it's uh, this evening we're going to note Romans sixteen eighteen. And in this passage, Paul's going to present to us two reasons why the Romans were to watch out for the Judaizers and their legalistic teaching and avoid them. Now, who are the Judaizers? Uh, you might, you'll never see them in the scriptures, that name, but they're, they're, they're actually all over the New Testament. The Judaizers, as we saw, originated from the Pharisees. They taught strict adherence to the 613 mandates in the Mosaic Law. They were religious, self-righteous, hypocritical individuals that cared about the outward uh, manifestations rather than what was going on in their heart. They were individuals that originated from the Pharisees and they not only taught strict adherence to the 613 mandates of the law, but what they also did is they followed the traditions of their own elders that are now documented in the Mishnah and the Talmud. And we see that uh, Jesus rebuked them for that. We saw that last evening in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. And Jesus rebuked them because they, they invalidated the Word of God to uphold their own human traditions, tra things that they develop that are not found in the Word of God. So as we're going to see, people, uh, these false teachers, don't adhere to the Scriptures and these Judaizers, and they are more concerned about their own traditions rather than uh, the, what the Word of God says, just like many denominations throughout this country and the world, 
who reject the Word of God and they have their traditions and you ask them where they get certain things uh, and they, don't, they can't show you in the Scriptures. They have to do a lot of uh, gymnastics to try to show you something. And they have terrible exegesis trying to, get to support something that is not in the Word of God. And they have to reach pretty deep. So we see that, the, for instance, uh, the whole thing with Ash Wednesday that the Catholic Church teaches, that is not found in the Bible. Why observe it? Why observe it? And I've asked Catholics that in my own feeling. Why do you observe it when it's not in the Bible? Well, if you don't recognize or acknowledge the Bible is inspired by God, of course you're not going to care what the Bible says. So you can make up any old rules that you want. And so this is what goes on with uh, people who cause divisions. They ignore the Word of God and just to maintain their own power and to maintain their own standing among men. This is what the Pharisees did. The Judaizers came from them. And the Judaizers again Again, they try to get Christians or uh, to uh, become uh, adherents to the Mosaic law and the tradition of the rabbis that are now documented in the Mishnah and the Talmud. So that is the context in which Paul is speaking here. Now, though that's the case, there are some principles that we can derive for our own use here in the 21st century. We're not dealing with the Judaizers, though there are people, many people like the Seventh-day Adventists that are big, big time into the law and the Sabbath, and we need to, we, there are things that we can learn in this study that can help us deal with these individuals in our lives. Now, look at Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now, I urge you, brethren, meaning I warn you, my spiritual brothers and sisters, to keep your eye on those who cause dissensions. The word there is talking about divisions. And hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. So if they reject the teaching of the apostles and the pastors in Rome, he says, turn away from them. Do not have fellowship with these believers. Turn away from them if they're rejecting the teaching of the Word of God that the apostles had given and the Lord Jesus Christ and the pastors in Rome had given, which came from the teaching of the, the apostles and the Lord. If they reject the teaching of the, of the New Testament in our day and age, we're to reject these individuals. For instance, let me give you an example. Those who teach you could lose your salvation. You might spend time trying to correct an individual, but if there's a pastor that is out there that is teaching false I wouldn't have any fellowship with a pastor that is teaching you to lose your salvation. I might give him a shot and try to convince him otherwise, but if he rejects it, then I have to walk away and, uh, and I've done what I'm supposed to do, but I am not going to have fellowship with that particular pastor if he's teaching something that's heretical that you could lose your salvation. Or somebody that says that Jesus Christ is not God or that the Trinity doesn't exist. Okay, those people, I will, I might give them a shot and try to correct them, but if I see that they're antagonistic or they're not digging their heels in, I walk away from them and I'm not going to waste my time. And uh, this happened uh, in jo the Apostle John's day uh, in church history. Apostle John, the Romans used to have these Roman baths, and the Apostle John found out there was a certain individual that was teaching heresy about the person of Jesus Christ, that he wasn't God. And Apostle John, it says in the church history, that when he found out when this individual was in the Roman bath, he left the building, he ran from the building, he would not have be found anywhere near that person that was teaching heretical, heretical things about the person of Jesus Christ. And so it says in verse 18, For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of 
of the unsuspecting. Now verse 18 presents two reasons for the previous warning and command in verse 17. Now when he says such men, that refers to those individuals Paul warns about in verse, six, uh, verse 17 that cause divisions and temptations contrary to the teaching that the Roman believers receive from their pastor teachers. Now, as I noted earlier, last evening, though Paul doesn't explicitly identify these individuals, his teaching in Romans chapters 2, 3, and 4 does strongly suggest that he's referring to the Judaizers since these chapters are designed specifically to refute their legalistic teaching. Now, further suggesting that Paul's referring to these individuals or to that which is caused by the Judaizers' teaching is that Paul's epistles, like the book of Galatians and the book of Acts, reveal that the Judaizers caused division in the churches that Paul established from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Hold your place. Let, uh, go to Acts chapter 15. Hold your place. The first church council was all about these Judaizers. Judaizers are trying to get Christians to be, get into the law and, and to adhere to circumcision. The first church council was all about these individuals. They were a pain. Look at Acts chapter 15 verse 1. And of course, the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith and, uh, and Jesus Christ and not by keeping the works of the law. And the Judaizers would teach otherwise. You've got to keep the law. You've got to keep circumcision. That's what chapters 2, 3, and 4 of the book of Romans were addressing. So he says in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, Christians, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. They were teaching Christians this. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, he, he, they were confronting these individuals, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. As he says to the Galatians, How did you receive the Spirit? By keeping the works of the law or through faith in Christ? And the Gentiles were receiving, they were getting converted, receiving the baptism of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, because of faith in Christ, not by keeping the law. Then he says in verse 4, When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Now when he says elders there, that refers of course to the pastors there. But some of the ex sect, excuse me, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, they believed in Christ. Remember I told you the Judaizers were composed of both unbelieving and believing Jews? And this is an example of that. When they arrived at Jerusalem, uh, verse 5, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So they got saved through faith in Christ, yet they turned around and reverted trying to live the Christian way of life by the law. They didn't understand the dynamics of salvation, yet they were still saved. It says they believed. Look at verse 6. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just the also as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples 
these Christians, a yoke which neither our fathers, the Jews, nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we're saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they, the Gentiles, also are. And all the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And so we see there, there's an example of the Judaizers. Some of them uh, were, uh, uh, they were Pharisees, and they came from the Pharisees. Some of them were believers in Jesus Christ, and some were not. And even believers, as we saw, they didn't understand the mechanics of their salvation. They were saved, but they were confused. They didn't understand the mechanics of how they got saved. So these individuals, uh, get in, uh, they got into the churches throughout the Gentile churches that Paul established throughout the Roman Empire. From Jerusalem to Illyricum. And like Galatia, they infiltrated the Christian church in Galatia and caused all kinds of problems and divisions. And what happened was the church blew up with, all, with the, the sin nature running rampant and not the spirit. So uh, we were in Galatians last evening. Let's take a little run over there now and uh, look at Galatians chapter 1. We'll go a little further into Galatians this evening. But look at Galatians chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, and, and to, now that he's writing to Gentile believers in the, the Roman province of Galatia. And he's addressing them, he's, he's upset with them. He's furious with them that they fell victim to the Judaizers. That's why Paul warns the Roman believers in Romans 16, 17, and 18 to watch out for these guys because this, what happened to the Galatians could happen to them. Look at Galatians 1, 6. I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which in reality is, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That's why Paul says to the Roman believers in Romans 16, 17, and 18, to avoid those who cause divisions and, and to tempt you to sin and go into apostasy by rejecting the grace of God and trying to keep, uh, live the spiritual life by keeping the, uh, the law or the traditions of the rabbis. So he goes on to say, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. It doesn't matter if he's a Christian. And for a Christian, that would mean, may he be under discipline. And for an unbeliever, that if he, he's, under, he's going to be under judgment of God as well. So there's consequences for rejecting the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse, then he says uh, again in verse 9, As we said before, so I say again now, that he taught them this before, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Now look at, uh, look at Galatians. Chapter 3. Look at verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The Judaizers did. Before whose eye Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is only the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? 
having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you going to live the spiritual life now by the flesh when you get saved through the Spirit? Did you suffer many, so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, so then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So there we have a little glimpse in the book of Galatians of Paul's conflict that he had with these individuals that he's warning the Roman believers about in Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now you can go back to Romans 16, uh, 17, please. Back to Romans 16, 17. Now it says in Romans 16, 17, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, he says. Now, that particular word there, kilia, is the word for appetites in the original. It describes these individuals who cause divisions. It, it, it indicates that Paul's again talking about the Judaizers. Why? Because this same word that's found in Romans 16, 18, that's translated appetites, kilia, was used in Philippians 3.19 to describe the Judaizers, as we saw last evening. Now, look, he goes on to say, For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. Now, when he says, are not slaves, that's a couple of words in the Greek. We have the verb, uh, thulevo, which is translated, are slaves. And then with it, it's negated emphatically by the emphatic negative adverb, ou, which is translated here, not. It could be more emphatic, in the, in the English to translate it. Uh, the verb thulevo it refers to the status or the condition of being servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when the verb, this particular verb is emphatically negated by that emphatic negative adverb u, it emphatically negates the idea that the Judaizers possess the status or the condition of being a servant of Jesus Christ because they cause divisions in the body of Christ and temptations for members of the body of Christ to sin and enter into apostasy. So when he says, for such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, he's emphasizing to the Roman believers that they're not serving Jesus Christ. They might even say they're serving God, but they're not. Why? Because they're contradicting the teaching of the Word of God. What's the principle we could get out of that? Christians who say that they're serving God and Jesus Christ and reject the Word of God, they're full of baloney. It's hypocrisy. They're, tell, they're trying to talk out of both sides of their mouth. You can't sit on the fence with Jesus. You're either with Him or you're not. You're either with the teaching of the Word of God or you're not. Remember Jesus said, I came to send fire upon the earth to set a father against his son and a mother against her daughter. This is what the Bible teaches. Jesus said that. And you're going to have to grow up and find out sooner or later that you're either going to be with the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to go and follow your emotions and follow after the rest of the crowd. And don't the, the majority, if you read your Bible, the majority is usually wrong. In fact, I can't find an instance in the Bible where the majority was ever right. Exodus generation, the majority went against Moses. Only Joshua and Caleb were in the plan of God and Moses. The majority, two million Jews, were again, who were born again and saved, according to 1 Corinthians 10. They were, and they put the blood of the, door, uh, blood of the Lamb on the doorpost and the lintel as an expression of faith. They went through the Red Sea. They were believers, yet they bitched and complained to Moses constantly. 
And they did not care about the Word of God. They did not care what Moses had to say. And you've got to make up your mind whether you're with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be His disciple, you're going to follow after the teaching of the Word of God. A disciple of Jesus means you're a serious student. The disciples, what they used to do, and the rabbis had this, their disciples too, and Jesus did too, and the apostles. You followed the teacher, you listened to everything he said, you asked questions, and you watched him manifest or uh, model the doctrine that he taught. That was what a disciple did. did. So you either, and, and to be a disciple of like Jesus, you had to be sold out for him. That's why the apostles left their businesses. They were businessmen, many of them. They left behind everything. Matthew was a very successful tax collector. He had a lot of money. He left it all to follow Jesus. So we have if we're going to if we're going to bring glory to God, we have to either make, we have to make up our minds whether we're in or we're not. Because there's no sitting on the fence. You're either with Jesus and the Word of God or you're not. And a lot of Christians, it's just kidding themselves. They're kidding themselves. I heard so many excuses. I've seen it. So many excuses. People trying to say that they're really sold out for Jesus. They're full of belonging. They don't, they don't put any effort into their relationship with God. And I can tell because they still don't know their Bibles. They don't know their Bibles. It's so terrible in America when we have a wealth of Bible teaching that Christians are still stupid when it comes to their Bible. They can't fight off false doctrine. they got no discernment. And many of them are Christians for 10, 20 years. That is disgrace. You, it shouldn't be that way. You get Why is that? Why, Pastor Bill, are so many Christians in apostasy? It's because it's simple. They love the things of the world. They more, they're more concerned about, especially in America, they're more concerned about their their human relationships and their money and their homes and their businesses and their possessions. And it's all going to burn anyways. What a waste of time! You just bet on the wrong horse. You bet on the wrong horse. Be wise. Especially you kids, be wise. You young people, be wise. Don't fall for the lies that us adults have fallen for, which the devil has taught to us through the media and saying, and through television, and saying, oh, if you become a rock star, you'll be happy. If you have this money, or you have this great job, and you have a big approbation from people, that's going to make you happy. That's all baloney. Look at Elvis Presley. He had more approbation. Look at King Solomon. Both of them. Tons of women, tons of success, approbation from people, all kinds of money, and you know, with people waiting on them, and they were miserable. Gain the world and lose your soul. Can't do that. Okay? So, these people were, Paul, Paul's talking about the Judaizers here in Romans 16 18. He says, they're not serving Jesus Christ, they're serving something else. Now, he says, of their own appetites. That's the something else. Of their own appetites is the, the uh, noun, helia, and then with it we have the reflexive pronoun, altu, which is translated their own. Now, this word, kilia, means stomach. If, you're, if you read the Romans 16, 18, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetite, he's being sarcastic in the Greek. He's saying, it's their stomach they're serving. <laughs> okay? What does he mean by that? Well, Paul's being sarcastic with this word. He's referring here. We've got to go understand what the Judaizers emphasize. Remember we studied this in Romans 14? They emphasize the, 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 the traditions of their elders, the rabbis, 
they emphasize the dietary regulations of the law. Jesus says you can eat all foods, and they said, oh, wait a minute, there's only certain foods you can eat. Well, Jesus said you can eat all foods, so if he says that, God, then what he says goes. So the Judaizers rejected that. They rejected that. They thought that they were still under the Mosaic economy, the Mosaic dispensation, and they were not. They were no longer. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. He is the, the, he is the fulfillment of the law. So Paul is referring here, when he says of their own appetites, he's referring here to the Judaizers' fanatical observance of the dietary laws of the Mosaic law which is how he uses it in Philippians 3.19. Look at, uh, listen to my translation of Philippians 3.17 through 19. We read it from the New American Standard last evening. But listen to my, my translation of this, these verses. Brothers, all of you continue being joint imitators of me and continue observing carefully those who are living in, in this manner just as all of you continue having us as an example because many about whom I have often told all of you but now I say even weeping are living as the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose destiny is certain destruction, whose God is their stomach, and whose glory will certainly result in their shame, those who are continually occupied with earthly matters. So, the Judaizers, who Paul's warning about in Philippians 3.19, and in Philippians and uh, Romans 16.17 and 18, those individuals they were concerned, they were fanatics about non-essentials. It's like people who care, and I'll never forget this, a, a, guy, a guy was saying, he, want, he thought the church cross should be behind me, and he, it shouldn't be this side of me. That is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. That is not essential. Whether we had a cross in the building, or we had it nowhere, had no cross, Nowhere in the Bible does it emphasize anywhere a place where crosses should be in a church building. And neither does it say that you should have a church building. It doesn't say that. So if the Bible's silent about that, why are we making issues about non-essential, stupid things like that? The Bible talks about board of directors. Church has ch church breaks and divisions because they, the pastor, it says, is the authority. He's the overseer. He's the shepherd. You're the sheep. Where in the Bible is it say about board of directors? Yet you have, you have Christians who are adamant about those things and they cause all kinds of problems because they don't know their Bible. Or they know it and they reject it because they're out for power. That's another thing legalistic Christians do. And the Judaizers did. Is that they're all about getting power. That's what they fought Jesus over, the Pharisees fought over. That's why they went after Paul, because they were seeking to gain adherence. They wanted power over the people. And they hated Jesus and the apostles because the crowd was running to them. So they, what did they do to Jesus and the apostles? They persecuted them. They ran them out of town. They nailed Jesus to a cross. They killed all the apostles except John. That's what they did, the legalistic crowd. They attacked those who teach grace, who are serious about the word of God. You know them by their fruits, the legalistic teachers. You know, the, you know a grace-oriented teacher by his fruits, his teaching. Now, many expositors identify these individuals in Philippians 3, 18 and 19 and Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18 as antinomianists. That means that they, these people taught that you could live like hell. You could live in immorality. Okay, You could do whatever you want. That's not the case here. 
So many expositors identify these individuals in Philippians 3 and Romans 16 as antinomianists because of the presence of this word kilia, appetites, in both passages. But the antinomianists were not causing divisions by being immoral degenerates or being self-indulgent. Rather, the people who were causing the divisions were the moral, self-righteous crowd. When I say moral degenerate, that means they're self-righteous. They, they think they're better than other people. They think they're better than other people. Watch out for those people. They'll stab you in the back. Okay? So they were causing divisions, the, the moral degenerates, the self-righteous crowd, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, the Judaizers, by attempting to impose the ritual of circumcision upon Gentile believers, as we just read in Acts 15 and also Galatians. And by, they did this also by imposing the observance of laws of food that were part of the oral traditions of the rabbis and were not a part of Scripture. Now, if you recall in Romans 14, Paul addressed the proper attitude of the dietary restrictions of the law, which the Jew, Judaizers insisted upon. Paul says that all foods are clean. You can eat all foods. Jesus taught that. Now, why... Now, that's the attitude that Paul said that they, the, the, the immature, uh, the, uh, the weak, that thought you had to keep these dietary laws, he said, no, that's not the correct doctrine. You can eat all foods. And the strong believers were to be patient with those weaker Jewish believers who thought they were still under the law because they had a lot to overcome. They were indoctrinated with that teaching that from an early age. So the strong were told to be patient and operate in love and do nothing to cause the weaker believer to stumble and sin against his conscience. Remember, we studied that. Now, Paul is saying that the Judaizers served the dietary laws of the Mosaic Law rather than Christ since they don't adhere to the Lord's teaching concerning these dietary laws. Look at it says in verse 18, for, uh, Romans 16, 18, For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but who? Of their own appetites, their own stomach. He's being sarcastic. What does he mean by that? He's saying they'd rather serve the dietary regulations of the law than what Jesus taught. I'd rather obey that than what Jesus taught. Well, we were there the other night. Let's go there again. Look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. Look at verse 14. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 14. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him. If it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. The next verse is in brackets, verse 16. That's not, that means it's not the original. The translators are telling you that. Verse 17. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, then why is it there? Because some of the later manuscripts put it in. When, verse 17, when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also discernment? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated? Thus he declared, All foods are clean. And here you have the Judaizers saying otherwise. So who are you going to listen to? The Pharisees, the, the Judaizers who taught that you to adhere to these dietary regulations, or Jesus? Well, 
Jesus is who you should be listening to. Now look at Romans 16.18 again. Romans 16.18. Paul says in Romans 16.18, For such men, the Judaizers, are slaves, not of, of, of our Lord Christ. Now it's interesting when he uses the word Lord there, notice Jesus is not even there. Lord there is emphasizing the master-servant relationship that should be between Christians. It notes his, it emphasizes Jesus' authority over the church. Okay? So such men are not being good servants of Jesus Christ. They're not serving Him. Why? They reject His teaching. What's a principle that we can learn, derive from that? People who reject the teaching of the Word of God are not serving Jesus. And they can, and, and for instance, if you, could te- you teach you lose your salvation, well, you're not serving Jesus Christ because He taught the opposite. The apostles taught the opposite. Now, they, they, so why do they do this? Why would you contradict Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why. A couple of reasons why. One, they don't believe the Bible is inspired by God. Two, if they are Christian, they are probably making some kind of money out of it and they're into some kind of power trip. And to teach what Jesus taught meant to lose some power. Now, he says, For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, their stomach, the dietary regulations of the law, the, 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 the dietary uh, rules of the, the uh, rabbis that are now in the mission in the Talmud. And it says, By their smooth and flattering speech... They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. By their smooth and flattering speech indicates that smooth and flatter, uh, smooth speech and flattery were the means by which the Judaizers deceive immature believers. What's the application, people? Watch out for people who flatter you. Where's flattery? It's praising someone excessively, especially from selfish motives, especially because they want to have power over you. And Christians do it all the time. They're involved in this flattery. Meanwhile, they're stabbing you in the back. You have to have discernment about people. You have to listen, know your Bible and have discernment. Don't be fall for somebody flattering you. Okay, It's the same thing with girls. When you meet, you meet a guy, he's flattering you. A lot of times, guys are just looking for one thing. Oh, you're beautiful, honey. They're just trying to get you into, into bed with them. All right? And not all guys, but a good many do that. And, by, and, and, so, and vice versa, women do the same sort of thing too. And in, 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 the, spiritual, in the spiritual dimension, the false teachers, they will flatter you. They flatter man. They, uh, they, you can always tell grace, because grace doesn't give man any credit. The legalistic crowd, the religious crowd, the self-righteous crowd that flatters you, they, what they're going to do is they're going to give glory to the flesh rather than God. They're going to give glory to... It. So that's why when you hear people uh, teaching and they claim they're Christians and they're teaching humanistic philosophy, not what Jesus taught, watch out, get away from them. Hey, there's a there's a guy on television. He gets the I tell you, he got the Cheshire smile, the Cheshire cat smile. He's up there, and he got his and he carts his wife out there, and she's a cute blonde and everything. And they're up, you know, they're up there, and they're big, big time, you know, in the Christianity. And they're all they got that big, huge audience uh, that they have a, a stadium filled with people. And he sells millions of books. And in one of his books, he doesn't even mention Jesus Christ at all. 
I've sat and what, listened to the guy and listened as if he's going to mention Jesus at all. He never does. I hardly ever see him ever mention it. He never teaches. God forbid he taught about the hypostatic union. God forbid, forbid he teach the book of Romans. You know why he would never teach the book of Romans and teach especially like this? Huh. Nobody would show up. He's not stupid. Or is he stupid? If he's trying to impress people and gain power and money for himself, yeah. Hey, I could, I could draw a crowd. I'll tell you right now, I could draw a crowd in Cedar Rapids and if I wanted to. See, and I could, I would, I, my conscience would kill me. I couldn't do it. I'd bring myself to do it. But if I wanted to draw a crowd, you're darn right. I could do the signs and wonders. I'd get, I'd, heck, I wouldn't even do that. I'd bring out the music. I'd get a band together and sing Mercy Me songs or my own songs and rock it up and get the crowd going and, you know, do the signs and wonders and healing people and doing the Penny Hen thing that on television. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to, you know, get the handkerchief out and, and you know, put on a great show. I'll come on, you can make it. People love that stuff. You know why? Because people are suckers. People will give their money to people like that who are just out to abuse them, to exploit them. If they were trying to, uh, if they were trying to please Jesus, they they couldn't. They could. They, they would be getting persecuted. They would be getting attacked for their teaching. They'd be getting criticized for their teaching. But they're not getting criticized for their teaching because they're tickling the ears of men. They're giving men what they want to hear. And men want to be flattered. Men want to be told that they're so wonderful. No, we stink. That's why Christ had to go to the cross. Because we stink to high heaven. We're all sinners. Self-righteous crowd, legalistic crowd says, well, wait a minute. I'm not that bad. I'm better than Susie Dingle down the street. I'm better than the I'm, I'm better than the stripper or the prostitute down the street. I'm certainly better than Pastor Bill. <laughs> that guy, he's a bad sinner. Yeah, join the club. We're all bad sinners. Every last one of us are wicked. And if you think you're better, you you you're falling for the the false teaching that's out there that says that you can compare yourself to other people. You can't compare yourself to other people. We're to compare ourselves to, the, to God. He's perfect. So who stands holy before God? Jesus is the only one. He's God. And we only stand before Christ and God and stand with God forever in heaven and live with God forever in heaven because we're saved upon the merits of the object of our faith, Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we're all going to burn in the lake of fire. Even the most moral of us, legalistic crowd, self-righteous crowd, the Judaizers, they fought that they, they compared themselves to other people, the immoral crowd, and thought that they were better than them. And how great the darkness was in them. Self-righteousness blinds you to the fact that you're a wicked sinner, just like everybody else is. Now, it says in Romans 16, 18, For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. The hearts of the unsuspecting is composed of the noun Carthia, and the Erasmus pronunciation is cardia. You've heard me use that in the past. And also we have with it the word apakos. And that's translated of the unsuspecting. Now, it's really interesting. And I heard a Christian recently say this to me. And I almost fell out of my chair when I heard it. I kept a straight face. But inside I was just going, you don't you listen to anything that I've ever taught. And don't know anything about your Bible. A lot of times people, you see Christians, and they say, uh, you don't pray from the heart. And they use the cardiovascular system. But the Bible says you pray from your heart, and your heart is in your head. The Bible never talks about it. The New Testament, the Old Testament, Hebrew and Greek, 
they never talk, except maybe one instance maybe, where they talk about the heart as being your cardiovascular system. So when Christians go, oh, I, I love Jesus with all my heart, and they clutch their breast, or I'm praying according to my heart. Basically what they're saying is that they're emotional nuts, and they need to go to get their, their head cleaned up, because they're whacked out of their minds. Because the Bible says, you do your thinking where the heart is. Now, if you don't know the... If, you know, I've taught that since the day I got into Iowa. Okay? And that is plain as day in the New Testament. God doesn't care about your cardiovascular system more. He cares about your heart, where you, where you do your thinking. So, in the Bible, this word heart uh, is talking about where you do your thinking. The noun, carthia, hearts, uh, believers... Uh, uh, the, the word cardia, or carthia, means hearts. And it's used of believers who are neat, naive. And it denotes that aspect of the soul which circulates thought or mental activity and is where one's frame of reference and memory center resides. So when we talk about the heart, you pray from your heart, but if your heart doesn't have the Word of God, you're supposed to pray the Word of God, and you're not to pray your emotions. You pray according to the will of God, and the will of God is in the Word of God, and the Word of God should be in your soul. Can I have an amen, Titus? Amen. <laughs> that is where... Learn that. That's so, it's so plain as day in the Bible. But Christians, because they don't, because they they're emotional nuts and they fall, they want it, they're lazy minded, weak, and want the uh, they want the Christ, the McDonald's Christianity. I like to call it the fast food Christianity. Give me the abridged version. Give me ten minutes of it and let me out of here. I got more important things to do than be a serious student of the Word of God. I think enough during the course of my day. That's a great attitude. You're going in the wrong direction. Now, this place, the heart, in the Bible is the place where one's vocabulary and the classification of thoughts reside as well as the conscience, where the norms and standards reside. A person's entire mental attitude circulates in the heart, as well as the subconscious, where various categories of things that shock or impress from adversity, sin, failure, or disappointment are located. All these things are in the, in the heart, and the heart is a part of your soul. Also, the heart contains volition, which enables a person to make decisions. It makes us distinct from the animal kingdom. We have a volition. We can rationalize. We can make decisions whether to accept or reject what God says. Now this adjective, akakos, unsuspecting, pertains to being unsuspecting or naive with regard to possible deception. Why are Christians so naive? Why do they give their money to these fake healers on television? I'll tell you why. They're naive because they don't know their Bible. And why don't they know their Bible? Because they're lazy. They're lazy. They don't love Jesus. It is often obviously refers, this word akakos, obviously refers to an immature believer. When he says unsuspecting, the hearts of the unsuspecting, he's referring obviously to an immature believer. Because a mature believer has his senses trained by the Word of God to discern good and evil. Uh, hold your place. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Coming near the end here. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. You get discern, you can discern good and evil. You can discern people's character because you have the Spirit and you have the Word of God in your soul. 
The Spirit uses the Word of God to give you discernment. Okay? Look at Hebrews 5.11. Concerning Him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, the Hebrew, the, these Hebrew believers, these Jewish believers that the writer was speaking to, writing to, they had been Christians for a while, and they had become dull of hearing. They won't listen to the truth. For through, though by this time you ought to be teachers, verse 12, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Solid food means in-depth study of the Word of God. Milk is not in-depth. It's like uh, it's basic stuff. 101 Christianity. You've got to confess your sins to be restored to fellowship. That's 101. Jesus is God. Okay? Uh, you're saved by grace through faith and not of works lest any man should boast. The doctrine of salvation. Eternal security. Those are basic doctrines. Uh, those doctrines, you can go into depth about them and go into the depths of them, but these, he's saying, these people don't even want, they can't stand in-depth study. They can't take it. That's what uh, Romans were doing. The way we're doing Romans, the way I teach, it's in-depth. Now, other guys can teach a different way. That's fine. That's if God's leading them, well, I'm going to go where God leads me. I don't really care what the other person does because that's not where God's leading me. He's leading me to do in depth. So it says in verse uh, 13, For everyone who partakes, partakes of only milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he's an infant, a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practicing the word of God have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So, if you wanted to be discerning as to who's a false teacher or not, and not being naive, not being na not being naive, learn your Bibles. Learn what the Bible teaches about a whole realm of subjects, and you will have discernment, and you'll be able to find out who's a false teacher. You can say that guy's teaching false doctrine. She's teaching false doctrine. You'll be able to say, "What is she doing being a pastor?" Where God doesn't it prohibits women from being pastors. You'll be able to see that. So a lot of Christians are dumb. They go, well, it don't, uh, well you know, and they'd say, you know, you always ask them, you know, can, like, give her a good example. Oh, well, why can't women come, become pastors? I give them First Timothy, you know, I do that, and Paul's other stuff, other passages, First Timothy 2, 11 through 15, uh, First uh, Timothy 3, 2, uh, she has to be, uh, the, the pastor has to be a husband of, of, of only one wife. Now, if a woman can pull that up, there's something wrong there, all right? So she can't, she can't qualify. Well, you know what? And then you always ask these people, and they don't know the Word of God. They, they don't know what to say. They have no response. So why do you believe that women can be pastors? I'm just using that as an example. And you can send your hate mail to TitusNompton at gmail.com. <laughs> well, okay, so go back to Romans 16, 18, and we wrap this up. Well, look at verse 17. Romans 16, 17. Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, to keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. Why? For such men as slaves, not of our, of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So when he says unsuspecting there, that word in the original refers to believers who are deficient in godly wisdom. Because they're either ignorant of the word of God, or they're not fully educated in it, and therefore trained to discern false teaching 
from accurate teaching. Now let's wrap up our study of verse 18 with some things that we've learned here this evening. Verse 18 presents two reasons why the Romans were to watch out for the Judaizers and their legalistic teaching and avoid them. The first reason is that they, these legalistic teachers, they do not serve Christ, but their own stomach. And uh, of course, that when he says the word stomach there, it contains the figure of synecdoche, of the part where the stomach of the Judaizers is put for their teaching, or of strict adherence to the dietary restrictions of the Mosaic Law. And the second reason, as we just found, why the Romans were to watch out for the legalistic teaching of the Judaizers and avoid them, is that they deceived the spiritually naive or immature by their smooth talk and flattery. So they're dangerous to the immature believers. They're dangerous to them. They're dangerous. That's why if I, for instance, have, have, I've had, I've had a, a rows with the, a people, I will not allow another man to teach my flock unless I know what the guy teaches. If the guy, I don't know the guy, he ain't, I'd be irresponsible being as the pastor or the shepherd of the flock to allow this guy to teach my congregation, my flock, when he, I don't know him from Adam. Okay? And so, that would be, uh, that's and re and why I don't want somebody that I don't know, because I, I want to protect my sheep from people who teach false doctrine. Sheep are stupid. Okay? Christians are stupid. That's why God gave them shepherds. Men who have the gift to pass the teacher. Because the, he is there to protect he is there to watch out, to give his life for the flock, to be out and warn them, and warn them about false teachers, because there are wolves in sheep's clothing. People who look nice and sweet, but they teach false doctrine that could teach you things that could hurt you and your relationship with God. And I'm here to protect you and your relationship with God. And this is what Paul was doing with the Roman believers who he never even met. But he was doing a good job as a shepherd and warning the flock in Rome about these false teachers, the Judaizers, who, who sought to put people under the law and did so by flattering people and their smooth talk. And they didn't serve the Lord Christ, but their, the dietary regulations of the law and the rabbis. And they were deceiving, they deceived the hearts of those Christians who were naive or spiritually immature. Or... They were simply uh, Christians that were apostate, that re rejected the Word of God and could care less about their relationship with God. They were easily deceived as well. So Paul did an important thing here in Romans 16, 17, and 18 by warning the Roman believers about the Judaizers because they, their teaching, their legalistic teaching, could bring down their fellowship and ruin their testimony and ruin their spiritual growth. Well, we've ran out of time. We'll pick this up Sunday at 9 o'clock. And let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone here this evening. And we pray that this information that the Spirit will, uh, give us, gave us this evening in the teaching of the Word of God would help us to grow stronger in our relationship to you and give us more greater love and appreciation for you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also pray, Father, that for those here in the uh, home of Titus and Jody, that you give us traveling mercies on the way home. And uh, we pray that the fellowship after service would be empowered by the Holy Spirit and would bring glory to you and your Son. So, Father, we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.